welcome to the original and the best power hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast. Another edition of the Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. Dylan Hughes, in the tradition of throwing curveballs when you expect fastballs, did you expect the Washington Wizards to lose in the fashion they did last night? I did not. I thought they were. I thought they were going to pull it out, and there was two major factors that changed that: the fact that Westbrook went the Westbrook we hate mode and just couldn't get anything going offensively. And Jason Tatum being like, hey, guys, um, I'm pretty good at basketball, which was a shocker. You know, sometimes you forget that the guy can just drop 50 points whenever he wants, it seems like. Um, But, I mean, shout out to Tatum, man. Like that – I mean, Kemba had a good game too. But, like, Marcus Smart got hurt. Rob Williams got hurt. Obviously, Brown was already out. Like, that was a pretty depleted uh, Celtics roster. And he just put them on his back, man. Yeah, Tatum is a legit young player in the league. He's going to get all, you know, he's going to be, hell, he could have, he could make your all-NBA team. I'm not sure yet. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how this goes today. We're here today to discuss all-NBA teams. But before we begin, I implore you, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate, subscribe, and review. If you're listening on other platforms, please follow us on there. If we're not on a platform of your choosing, at me at Alex Burfour. You can at Dylan at by Dylan Hughes, but he won't do really do much to get help you help you in that regard. So um and follow us on YouTube at the Running Hook. Um just how it how it sounds. Um we're on there. We're putting all our, our videos on YouTube now. That'll be fun. Um and that's it for the uh, little plug section there. Dylan Hughes, before we begin, we did all NBA at the halfway point of the season. I'm curious, how many of the guys on your all NBA team at the halfway point? did you have on this version of the team? Um, it's, it's pretty close. I would say um, there's been, I think three guys that I've exchanged, but it's, it's fairly close. Like I was, I was talking, which is not out yet, but uh, the divine Ryan, we were at the end talking about, I'm like, it, this was an interesting year because four staples, LeBron, AD, Harded and KD did not qualify for game. So guys that were always going to make it did not make it. Um, so it made it a little bit interesting. I wouldn't say it was tougher. I think it actually helps um, get some guys I wanted to get on, but it was just different. Yeah. I, I'll just go ahead and read the guys I did not have on my team that I had the first time. So I didn't have, I obviously the guys you mentioned with KD, LeBron, Harden, and AD. I actually didn't have AD on my first time because he didn't play at all in the first half and he hasn't barely played really in the second half. So I had Ben Simmons on my first edition. He's not on this time. I had Jalen Brown on my first edition. He's not on this time. I had Bam Adebayo on my first edition. He's not on this time. So I think that it'll be an interesting rundown to see. So I have six guys changing teams this time, basically. So it'll be, it'll be curious to see how we uh, how we break our teams down? Why don't, why don't we just start with the first team guards? Well, okay, wait. First of all, Jokic and Steph, obvious first team guys, right? And I, I suppose I should ask this question: 
Did you go with him beat it forward or did you have him as a center? Yeah, I went with center. Like I'm not, I know with the all defense team, I did some finagling to get Bam on there at forward. Um, but I'm not going to do that. Like it's as much as I hate the positions and, you know, Embiid would probably be on the first team otherwise if positions weren't um, an issue, but I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, there, I also didn't have him as a forward, so that means we both have him as our second team center. That knocks off one guy on our list. So we both have Stefan Jokic on the first team. Who's your other guard on the first team All-NBA? So this was one of the tougher decisions I had to make. Um, it was between Dame and Luka. And Dame was the first time around. And I ultimately went with Dame again um, because – I was just thinking about it. So the teams ended with the same records. Um, So that made it even tougher. It's like, you can't even go back to like, well, who had the best record? Um, It was, I just looked at it and I think you could probably say that Luca probably had the better all around stats, even though this was probably Dame's best season stat wise. Um, I just looked at it as Dame had way more issues like the Mavericks, aside from Porzingis, have been healthy all year. They really haven't had any problems. Like they've been pretty like fully loaded as far as health goes. And as we've talked about a bunch already on this pod, Portland has not had the same luck. I mean, literally every single person on the team that is good, except for maybe Covington, like missed time. I mean, Nurkic missed time, McCollin missed time. They didn't get Norm Powell until, until midseason, and obviously that addition has helped them a bunch. But, I mean, Dame has had to do a lot of backpacking, if you will. Like, there's been a lot of, of pressure he's been under, um, and this is not the first time we've seen it either. So I just ultimately felt like rewarding his uh, warrior spirit was uh, necessary. So I went with a little bit of a cop-out, Dylan. I did have Dame as my first card. I also had Luke at forward. Okay. And, like, I this is my thing with Luca, right? I think Luca legitimately deserves a first team All NBA spot this year. He's played sixty six games. He's at twenty nine, or he's at twenty eight, eight and eight, basically. And then the forward class to me just wasn't as inspiring as the cards were this year. Like, I felt like there were a lot more deserving guards than there were forwards. Like, think about it, right? I'll I'll just go ahead and list some of the guys I left off my guard team. Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, Trey Young, right? You just go down the line. There's like probably 10, 11 deserving guards to make the All-NBA team. And there's only there's only six spots for each forward and guard. But like the forwards get to slim pickings after a certain point. Like I did have one hard spot for uh, forward, but that spot, that last spot was a lot harder, was a lot less hard, I'll say in the last forward spot. But Dame, I feel like Dame definitely deserved all NBA first team. And he is like, he kept that team afloat through the shit. And now they're, they're on the other side and they're, I would not be shocked at all. If Portland destroyed Denver in the next round, just because their offense is so potent and Nurkic and Covington, you know, they can just kind of wreak havoc on the help side, which is more important against Denver, I'd say than probably any other team. So I mean, do you have any objections to me having Luca as a forward? No, I don't, because, again, he's one of those guys that's 
tough to pin down exactly what position he is because his size would suggest he's a forward, but he's the ball man, main ball handler, you know, um, he's, he's in a growing group of guys like that. If you look at Giannis and Harden and uh, LeBron and those type of guys. Um, so I'll give it to you for sure. And, and guard is really deep. Um, and in my honorable mentions, we'll get to that, <laughs> but you know, as I mean, as you said, forward was a little bit uh, lighter, so I'll, I'll give it to you for sure. Thank, thank you, Don. Thank you. I'll, I'll be curious to see how we have the forwards moving forward. Um, any thoughts on Stefan Jokic? I feel like we've talked about them each a lot this year, so I feel like maybe we can kind of skip over our thoughts on them. But I mean, Steph, shout out to Steph for leading the league in scoring on 12 three point attempts a game and making 42% of them. That's an absolutely ridiculous efficiency. And then Jokic has just been undeniable this year. So any thoughts on those two guys before we move on to um, your forwards? I mean, they're the top two MVP candidates and like they've, they've gotten all the buzz this year because of that. So yeah, we, we talked about them a lot last time. Um, So I feel like, uh, I feel like everything that needs to be said has been said. Yes. Especially on Jokic. We love, this is a very pro Jokic podcast. So um, let's do your forwards. So I obviously had Luca as my first forward. Who are your two forwards? So I went with Giannis and Kawhi. Um, I mean, it's just with LeBron and KD not in there, for me personally, it was just pretty easy to to slide those two in there. And, you know, we talked about Giannis last week at, on the all-defense pod. But – and we talked about Kawhi too. Um, like, I would say this this – like, I think Kawhi has been kind of overlooked this year and how good he's been. Um, I mean, I don't have his stats pulled up right now, but I think he's like averaging a career high in points last time I checked. So he's, he's had a great year. And again, like it's kind of odd that the Clippers have been over or no, he's not having a career high, but he's having his most efficient year, 51% from the field. Like that's, that's pretty impressive considering, you know, he's shooting five threes a game. Like the it's, it's becoming more and more rare to see, you know, perimeter guys shoot above 50% because the threes, like when you shoot more threes, it's obviously going to bring your percentage down because a good average from three is like 40%. And if you say that compared to field goal percentage, it's nothing. But, you know, I just think Kawhi has been just really solid all around this year. And I mean, he's becoming, he's, I mean, he's already been, but I think over the past few years, he's really proven to be one of the better scorers in the league which is just surprising because he was, you know, he didn't average above 20 points until his fifth season. Like it's, it's been a, it's been a slow kind of build up to this. Um, but the past few years, he's just been so good on offense. And I think uh, in the playoffs, we're going to see the Clippers are almost a bit of a sleeping giant at this point because they've had so many injuries this year, including Kawhi. Um, and, but when Kawhi has been on the floor, he's just been amazing. Yeah, Kawhi was the first forward on my second team. I mean, it was really – I hated leaving him off. Um, It was between Luka, Kawhi, and Jimmy for that other forward spot. And I think that Kawhi – what you're saying about the efficiency is very true. And that's – for a perimeter player especially, 49% of his shots are from the mid-range. Like, 
49% of his shots are from four feet in deep, like four, between four and 23 feet. <laughs> like, that's crazy that he's above 50%, but he's just like the shot making for him has just been on another level this year. Your the sleeping giant point about the Clippers is very correct. It's why I asked you if are we sure they're not the favorites in the West? Like during Clippers week, because I think that Kawhi and Paul George, who was very deserving of all NBA spot. I'm not sure if you had Paul George. I, I didn't, but um it's very like those two are playing, I would say some of the best basketball either of them have played, and we've seen them play very elite basketball. So I'm very curious to see how the Clippers go down in the playoffs. And then I had Giannis too. And Giannis, I think this is Giannis's best season. I know we say that every year, but he's just hit another level this year offensively. And we talked about the defense last week and how it kind of fell off. But I still think, you know, this level of offense and that level of like the rim protection he can bring. I mean, you wouldn't be crazy if you said he's the best player in the East. I wouldn't agree with you, but it's not an outlandish take at all. You know, what's funny is, we talked about how his defense fell off and yet he still made the all defense team. And I think that, I think that is a, is a good example of how dominant he is. Um, and when Bud finally puts him at the five for uh, more than a handful of possessions a game, which I think he will in the playoffs, um, we're, we're going to start to see. And I am so happy they get Miami the first round because I don't think Bud has an option, but to put him at the five, if you have him and, Brooke Lopez out there against Bam. It's, I don't want to say it's game over, but man, it's going to be tough. And the thing is, like, you can put Giannis at the five, or as we talked about before, Bobby Portis, which basically makes Bobby Portis is like a pseudo center, really. And he, you know, he plays more as like a perimeter guy anyway. Um, But Bobby Portis has been so good this year. And I just really want Giannis down low as much as possible in the playoffs because I think I think they can I think they can make a really good run if if uh, you put Giannis down low because as we've discussed and I'll never let this go until it happens but he's modern day Shaq man and modern day or uh, Shaq back in the day was not handling the ball from the perimeter and trying to work his way down. Yeah, we need sixteen feet and in. From Giannis, we don't need, you know, three pointing in. We need sixteen feet in for get him a touch at the elbow, maybe even the elbow extended. You know, elbow extended. I noticed seventeen feet. So let's just say seventeen feet in. But in an inside player, he just needs to be an inside player. He needs to have a Zion kind of shot diet, and I, I don't understand why he could easily pull that off. Like the length he has, I, I like the mid range flashes he's showing. If he has a mid-range jumper, then it's probably over for the league. And we'll see this offseason. But I, I've liked what I've seen from his mid-range this, this year from what we've seen from the Bucks. So I'm really excited to see that uh, kind of progression in the playoffs. We already said Jokic was each of our first team centers. So I think that was kind of obvious. And like Dylan said, we've already talked about um, Jokic enough. I actually I pulled up Giannis's cleaning the glass page real quick. So on, on short mid-ranges, he is at 36%. With, or at 35%, but on 237 attempts. So he's taking it, you know, and that's probably the range he needs to be in. And then on long mid ranges, he's actually at 38%. So pretty good, pretty good progression from Giannis. Time for the second team guards, Dylan Hughes. Who did you have for your second team guards? And this is where I think the, uh, the differences will get interesting. So you obviously have Luca as one. Who's your uh, other second team guard? 
Yeah, so I actually think this might have been my team last time. I don't remember how I had it, but um, I went with Luca and Kyrie. It's just I, Kyrie, I felt needed to be rewarded for, first of all, having his best season, another another above fifty percent field goal percentage, but even more impressive than Kawhi because he shot seven three point attempts a game. Um, so he was just magnificent from two, fifty six percent from two. Like we we raged on all year about Zach Levine's efficiency from two, and he still ended up better than than Kyrie just slightly, but. 56% from two is pretty impressive. And Kyrie has been uh, – he's been an efficient two-point shooter for a while now. And, you know, we always talk about guard efficiency. And a lot of these guys are shooting lower lower 40s. And, like, you give it to them, you know, because, again, there's a lot of three points going up. But Kyrie, like, aside from Steph, might be the most efficient guy uh, – the most efficient point guard in the league. Like I'd have to do a landscape around the league and see, but I mean, this, this guy is just a great shot maker and the nets have just had a turbulent year, man. Like even without Harden and KD at times, like they still have a really good roster. So it's not like Kyrie is doing everything himself, but I just think he's been tremendous this year. Um, I think he's been the most locked in he's ever been like this. This seems like it's the happiest he's been in a few years. So it's been really nice to watch. And uh, I just think he's been awesome this year. There's a little bit of synergy here. Cause I also had Kyrie as my, uh, my second team guard. And I'll, I'll talk about my other one in a second, but Kyrie is a member of the 50, 40, 90 club. And for all like, you know, the, the more statistical barriers that we've been able to accomplish in this like era of NBA, right? Like more guys, you know, getting up to that like 60 point barrier, you know, 50, 50 sometimes doesn't even feel special anymore. Kind of like, you know, no hitters in baseball, but you, then you have 50, 40, 90, and only it's only happened nine times in NBA history. Right. And Kyrie's at 50.6, 40.2, and then 90, 92% from the line. Like just the epitome of efficiency this year. So, I mean, he, the only complaint you could have is that he didn't get to the foul line enough, but Kyrie's never been like a massive, you know, get to the foul line. 18 times in a game, you know, like he's, he's going to, he avoids contact more than seeks it. And that's always going to, I watched Derek Rose in Chicago and that always worked to his impediment rather than his benefit. So, but Kyrie's so good at finishing. It doesn't matter that he doesn't draw fouls. And I think that's, you know, they have two guys on their team. That's like that. They have Kevin Durant and they have Kyrie that they're so good at scoring the ball. It doesn't matter that they don't get to the foul line. And I think Kyrie, you know, if Kyrie was the best guy on your team and he didn't get to the foul line, that would be a problem. But as like, he's the third best guy on the team. <laughs> and the fact that he's doing this efficiently, I think he deserves a lot of props and he deserves a lot of props for playing, you know, 54 games. Kyrie's not like, you know, always stay healthy kind of guy. Kyrie's had a lot of injury issues in the past. So I'm, I'm really glad that Kyrie was able to stay healthy this year. Yeah, I think that's been the biggest thing um, is the injuries. Like, he's been the healthiest guy. And it's that's just always been his downfall is really injuries. It's like, you know, looking forward as far as value. Because um, he's been traded uh, – well, he got traded once and then he left in free agency. But, you know, like, he's he's been a guy that's kind of been in trade discussions um, a little bit. And it's like, well – you know, he's a uh, he's an injury risk. So it's it's something that you got to look out for and cook that into his value. 
Um, but this year he's, you know, he's, he's been healthier than most stars in the league. <laughs> and, you know, he still only played 54 games, but like he had some personal issues before the Harden trade. And a lot of that, a lot of the missed games were earlier in the year, but yeah, I mean, being healthy was the biggest thing. And, and obviously coming up in the playoffs is going to continue to be a, a big deal for them. Yeah. It's going to be huge, for, like huge for them because they've played like eight games together all year, I think. <laughs> and that's going to be like a paramount importance is just to be able to gel, you know, and be like, Hey, um, we need, <laughs> we just need to gel on the, on the offensive and defensive end. We just need to be able to get stops. I can't wait. You know, if Milwaukee wins, I can't wait to see Giannis average 40 points a game against them in the in the semis. That, that might happen, Dylan. It might happen where he averages, for like, I mean, legit 35 points a game because they can't stop him. And I, I want to see that because that would be scoring theater. Yeah, I don't think might is a necessary word right there. Like, especially if you drop it down to 35, for sure. I mean, we saw, like, we saw they they played the the Nets twice in the past month. And Giannis, at least one time, I think, had 40 plus. He had, like, almost 50 in the first game, um, the game that went to overtime. Like, we we talked about this because we talked about the Bucks and Nets matchup, how, like, I think the Bucks of all these top teams, I think the Bucks have the best chance of beating uh, Brooklyn because they have the offense and defense to match. And if you if you play small ball with Giannis at five, it's going to be really, really tough for the Nets to stop them. Like, it's going to be a high-scoring game because, again, man, it's like, what options do they have? Jeff, you know, Jeff Green is not going to stop Giannis. We know DeAndre Jordan's not. Nick Claxton, we love him, probably not going to be able to do it. Um, So, yeah, I I think that, like, it's going to be such an exciting playoffs, man. Like, the way these matchups are set up right now, I mean, the Bucks versus the Heat, and then potentially the Bucks versus the Nets. That's that's a great two rounds right there. So okay, so Giannis's games against the Nets this year. So the first, I guess the, I'm going out of order here. The first one he scored 34, and then he scored 49 and 36 on. And he shot a lot in those games. Like we we don't think of Giannis as a guy that shoots a whole lot, but in those games it was 26 field goal attempts, 36 and 30. <laughs> Right. If you can't stop him from shooting 30 times a game, that's going to be a legit problem. But at the same time, if the Nets gel, it might be in the Nets' best interest for the Celtics series to go six games just so they have more actual reps together. <laughs> but I don't I don't I don't think the Celtics have enough firepower to hang in that series at this point. But man, it's that's gonna be tough. Um, my other second team guard was Chris Paul. And that was the main benefit of bumping Luca to forward was that I could put Chris Paul or Devin Booker, whoever I wanted on my second team. And I think Chris Paul, I know I ragged on his MVP case a couple of weeks ago, but I still think he's been outstanding. I still think Chris Paul was, you know, a harbinger basically for the Sun's success. I mean, him and Booker, okay, maybe it was a little too harsh on the last episode. Him and Booker are 1A and 1B basically on that team. They're like, they don't work without each other, I don't think. And I think that it, it, wouldn't happen without Chris Paul. So that's why he's on my second team. Um, Dylan, did you have Chris Paul on your third team? I did. Yes. Oh, okay. What did you like I, from Chris Paul this year? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've talked about it a lot recently. 
because we had our little MVP debate. And then, of course, last week on all defense, um, I had him on my team. I just, I again, I can't say enough about Chris Paul this year, man. Like, he's he's been so good at, I think he's found the, the perfect balance of setting everyone else up for success while also coming up in the clutch when they've needed him to. I mean, he's, he's been a guy that's deferred a lot, really even last year in OKC, he was deferring a lot and trying to get everyone involved. Um, but when the time is, when the time's right, when it's like a close game, he'll come up and he'll, you know, do that patented pull up mid range jumper and sink it, you know? And I just think he's been fantastic this year. And I'm a little bit sad they didn't get the one seed because I think for narrative reasons, it would have been great um, if they were able to pull that off. But either way, he he has had such a great year and he's helped them have such a great year. And uh, we're lucky enough to get to see um, who who they're going to face uh, in the playoffs soon. We'll probably figure it out tonight because whoever loses the Lakers Warriors is probably going to end up in the playoffs either way. So it's it's going to be fun, man. And, I mean, everyone's been talking about Lakers and Suns, but Warriors and Suns, I think, would be a tremendous series as well. I mean, if you're the Lakers, I mean, wouldn't you kind of rather play? I, I The Suns are just such a bad matchup for the Lake, like for the Lakers. The, I mean, the Lakers are such a bad matchup for the Suns. That's what I meant to say. They're just they're such a bad matchup, Dylan. Like, how are the how are the Suns going to stop? <laughs> LeBron, how are they going to stop? You know, how are they going to stop Anthony Davis? Like, it looks like they're kind of getting the the train back on the tracks in Los Angeles. Ah, Dylan, just to kind of like mix a little bit of playoff preview in there. Like, I I don't know how the Suns, if I'm the Lakers, I want, I don't want to win this game just to beat Steph. I want to win this game so I can face the Suns. And I know that's probably bad because they've had such a good year, but like this team is so poorly equipped to face the Lakers, so poorly equipped. Like, I, we love what Sarge has done, and Frank the Tank. I think is, it's safe to say has shocked both of us. But they can't—he can't hang with AD. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad. I mean, as good as the Suns are, like the Lakers' strength really is down low. That that's kind of how they built this team is they have a bunch of size down low, and DeAndre Ayton, poor guy, he's gonna <laughs> he would struggle a lot. So yeah, I I think I agree with you that. Uh, that they're probably better off uh, facing the Suns. And I, I don't want to say that because, you know, I think they've had such a great year. But I think that they, they're they just uh, – they're kaput if they face the Lakers. Um, I think we're, going, we're ready to go ahead and move on to the forwards because you had uh, Chris Paul you, – or you had Luca and Kyrie, and I had Kyrie and Chris Paul. So who were your second-team forwards? Um, so I went with Butler and Randall. I mean, we've talked about Randall. It's just impossible to let him stay off this team, you know, or one of these teams. I mean, it's by far been his best season. You know, he's – I don't think his game has changed a ton aside from hitting threes. Um, Obviously, you know, he's shooting two more threes a game than any year before, which last year was his previous career high. He's knocking down 41%, man. That that's a huge jump. The previous, like he, the best he shot before that was 34% back in new Orleans, Like it was never a part of his game. He's always been, you know, a, a guy that's good down low and he's still good down low. Um, he actually shot like 
not a career low from two, but it's been his worst percentage from two in a while at just 47%, um, which, you know, the Knicks spacing kind of explains that. <laughs> there's there's uh, not a ton of room on that team, but he, he's been so good still. He's He's really ran the show well for them, and, like, averaging six assists, I think, says a lot about how he's been. And, I, I mean, I still have my problems with him. Don't get me wrong. Like, I still think he's – a little bit too focused on scoring and a lot of, despite having six assists, sometimes he won't pass until he feels like he has to. And I'm interested to see in the playoffs, how that fares. Um, I would still probably take them over the Hawks personally, but you know, who knows? I just, the Hawks defense is just not good enough. I don't think to stop this team, but either way, man, he's had a great year and I'm just fascinated to see, the contract situation moving forward with them and, and what the Knicks decide to do. And it, okay. Who was your other second team forward? I don't know if I uh, heard the second other. Second oh, forward. it was Jimmy Butler. Um, okay. Yeah. So we talked about Butler on all defense too, but he just had a fantastic year and like the heat made a little, little push late season. Like we were wondering if they're going to be the seventh seed or they're going to fall to the eighth seed, you know, what's going to happen. They finished the season off strong and uh, ended up the sixth seed, obviously facing up with Milwaukee. But, man, I, I keep talking about two-point percentage, but 34% career high from Butler. Like, he's been awful from three, and that's kind of been happening the past few years. So it, it just doesn't matter. His three-point percentage is kind of worthless at this point. Like, he's, he's so good from inside the arc. And also, I didn't even mention this last week, uh, but – 2.1 steals per game, career high. Like, he he's just been so good on both ends of the floor. And another guy like Chris Paul that's going to – he really lets everyone else kind of do do the work until they need him. He, he's, he plays – he lets everyone else kind of get involved. And then when it's necessary, you know, he'll pull out the – he'll pull out the necessary jump shot. So, just, just been a fantastic year from Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I had Jimmy on my second team as well. I don't know if I said it. I hit on – when we were discussing him on the first team, I had Kawhi as my other second team forward. Um, he's, you know, obviously we already talked about Kawhi. I'll start with Randall first. Randall was on my third team. We could not have Randall on this team, man. He played basically all the games. He led the league in minutes per game. He was a horse. And I don't know if this is going to be good for him long-term, right? We've seen what happens when Tibbs, you know, Tibbs loves his guys. He rides his guys to the ground. And I, I, I just hope that this doesn't, you know, hurt Julius long-term, but this year he just has been, and you were talking about how he's not as good from inside the arc, but on pull-up shots, <laughs> he's taking eight pull-ups a game. He's shooting 41% on them, which I don't think is that great personally, but on pull-up threes is at 40% on like one and a half attempts, which I mean, I would, I would guess that he was not that good last year. Like I would guess that he just was not that good last year. He's becoming more brazen with it as the year has gone along too. Like he's just is becoming more and more confident in his pull-up. And I think that's, you know, been the secret to Julius Randall's success is just like, okay, you think I'm just going to batter to the rim every time? No, fuck you. I'm going to do a little sidestep. I'm going to get to my left or I'm going to get to my left hand. I'm going to pull up. And it's worked for him this year. I'd be curious to see if it works for him again next year. But I think that he he's just been too good for me to deny. And I think you're right about the assist thing. But at the same time, I think he's clearly a smart player. Like, I think that there that's not... The issue, the issue is just, you know, okay, I have it going. I'm going to 
you know, do the hot hand shit, but we'll, we'll see how that goes next year for the Knicks. I'll be curious to see. Um, just real quick. You said, you think the, the Knicks will beat the Hawks. Is that, they hear that right? Yeah. Like I just, from what I've seen from them lately, I think they've really gotten a good groove. I mean, I think Barrett has really come along this season. At the beginning of the year, I still was kind of worried about him, but I think he's really figured his game out a lot. And again, there's still issues there, but he's, I think he's figured out how to play off Randall and Rose has been so good and Bullock has been so good and Noel has been so good. Like the, the Noel and Capella matchup is going to be interesting. It, it's kind of like Capella and Capella White in a way. So it's going to be interesting to see how that matchup goes. But yeah, I just, I mean, the Knicks defense has been so good this year and the Hawks defense has not been good. And I think ultimately that's probably going to, what's going to sway it for the Knicks. I think DeAndre Hunter's back healthy this week off will probably help him. What if we get a good DeAndre Hunter versus uh, Julius Randle matchup? That might be interesting. Yeah, that that's the, the little bit of the X factor, I think, because the Hawks, I mean, the Hawks have had a great year. Don't get me wrong. Um, Bogdanovich has been so good for them. And like, I think, I think Bogdanovich has helped Trey a lot because, you know, Trey doesn't have to do all the ball handling. And that, that's something I mentioned last year, I think, where I think the way that Trey becomes the best is if he becomes more like Steph where he's playing off ball and he doesn't have to, to make everything for himself. You know, I, I think that's a better, uh, better way for him to be utilized. And I think Lord Lloyd Pierce getting fired kind of helped that. Because Nate McMillan is not going to – he's not a guy that's he, – he's a really a ball-handling, sharing kind of guy where he wants to move it around a little bit more. And so I, I think that's that's helped him a lot. Um, and getting Hunter in there, who – Hunter has been really good at creating his own shot this year. I mean, he I think he's made a lot of strides from just last year. Just, just creating his own offense, I think he's been really good. And obviously, defensively um, is what he's really known for. So, yeah. Hunter is definitely an X factor. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, moving on to Jimmy Butler, though, in the interest of time, I think this might be Jimmy's best year in the NBA. And that's crazy to say, but like he, the Heat were literally floundering before he came back. And I mean, let me actually pull up the game log. Because what I like about basketball references is they have the player's record in the game logs. So they're 33 and 19 with Jimmy in the lineup. Like, it's ridiculous. And I think that, so what, what did they finish on the season? Did they finish like, <laughs> I don't have the standings pulled up in front of me, but were they, um, let's see, I don't have the, the standings pulled up, but if they were like 41 and 31, that means they were like eight and 14 or like something really bad without Jimmy. So he's literally turned the season around. And I think that it's been for the best for them because they, they just needed that jolt of energy. And I mean, it shows that I think it shows that last year, a lot of people probably thought last year was a fluke because they're like, oh, Jimmy's not that good. Oh, Bam's not that good. And Jimmy is this good. I've always said Jimmy is this good. I would still probably have Jimmy in the top 10, if not top 10, top 12, because top 10 is so deep. But like, I think Jimmy's just absolutely absurd. Like just the ability that he has. I'll be curious to see. I think the Miami Milwaukee series is going to be a, a six, seven gamer. I don't think it's going to be, I think Milwaukee probably has a little bit of an edge, but I, I like, based on what we saw last year, I can't count on Miami. Yeah, I can't either. Again, I still think I'm a little bit worried about the, uh, the ways they beat Milwaukee last year. They don't have, 
they don't have the they don't have Drogic and Crowder really. Like they have Drogic, but he's not been as good from three this year, and he's just getting up there in age. And you know, I, I think the way that Miami may pull it off is if they just start Hero at point guard, because you don't need Hero to actually play point guard. Like you have Butler and Bam, they could do all the passing. Um, and I think having as many shooters around those guys as possible is all you need. And their lineups with Hero at point guard this year have been good. So I, I think that's that's maybe the way they get in a bit of an advantage. But again, Drew Holiday's addition is is going to make it tough uh, for anyone to beat them. And again, like the ability to put Giannis at the five and, and just have a bunch of shooting around him, I think is going to be a lot different. Um, and, you know, but I, I think them facing them last year is going to help Bud kind of figure out what went wrong. So we'll see. I, I do think the Bucks are going to win, um, but I'm not going to count Miami out either. Yeah, you brought up Jake Crowder. And that's an interesting point that he goes to Phoenix and they take off. And he leaves Miami. And I'm not saying him leaving Miami was the reason they were not as good this year because, I mean, Jimmy missed 20 games. But I think that (laughs) Jay Crowder leaving is low-key a huge factor for the Heat. And I think something that a lot of people are forgetting because he shot, like, what, 40-some percent in the first two rounds of the playoffs last year? Like, he was ridiculously hot in the playoffs last year. And, I mean, Ariza... God, I don't know if we've watched them. I don't think I've seen, I saw him hit a three. I don't think I've seen Ariza hit a three since he was in Portland last year. Did you remember Trevor Ariza was in Portland last year? I did. He got hurt before the bubble. No, he didn't get hurt. He, oh, uh, he, sat, he sat out. He sat right. out because that was the one month of the year he gets to see his kid. So I, I didn't, right. I didn't get mad at him for sitting out of the bubble. So, but um, Trevor Ariza can't hit shots like that anymore. And then, you know, you're relying a lot on Andre Iguodala still. And Iguodala, Iguodala and Ariza were both drafted in 04. And I wouldn't be surprised if they hang up the sneakers in the relatively near future, both of them. Like, I think Iguodala still has a, like a team option next year. But I, I just wouldn't be surprised if both of them, if, if not after this season, after the end of next season, both of them are out of the league because they're going to be retired. Because they've been in the league forever. <laughs> and I, you... I mean, neither of those guys are knockdown shooters at this point. I mean, you, you can make a case Iguodala never was. <laughs> so I, I'd be curious to see what happens with the, uh, on the heat front, just in terms of like the offense. I think you're right about the hero thing, but I feel like hero hasn't been as good as he was last year. I feel not like taking a step back, but he hasn't really gotten better. And the development isn't linear thing, you know, obviously applies. But when I looked up the stats, I was surprised he was averaging 15 points a game, and that's I, I think that's a I think that's a bad sign. <laughs> yeah, and and there's been some uh, some worries in the the media that he is uh, a little bit too involved in the off the court stuff, which I don't think is is a bad uh, take because I mean he had such a great run last year. Obviously, his name has become a lot more popular, and uh, I, I think that the uh, the white fans like having someone that they can, <laughs> you know, cause, cause Jokic is European. Doesn't really count. Kevin love sucks. Now Gordon Hayward is, is injured all the time. So like the, the white fans have been looking for that, for that, uh, that guy. And I think heroes it. And man, like when you get a song name song named after you, it's, it can get to your head, man. Look at Mo Bamba. 
it's it hasn't been the same for him ever since. So uh, you know, a little bit worrisome there, but um, we'll see in the playoffs. Hopefully, he goes back to what he was last year. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I think that <laughs> he's the X factor for them because Duncan Robinson, they can take him out of a game. And Duncan Robinson, there's points where Duncan Robinson is like their only shooter on the floor, which is a bad sign. Because Bam has 16 feet in out range. Jimmy can hit threes. I just I'm choosing to believe he's not shooting threes anymore. Like he's just done. He's just operating inside the arc. But he we've seen him hit threes when he needs to. I'm not worried about his shooting. I'm just worried about their shooting as a whole. But I, I like that we can kind of mix some like playoffs preview in here into our LNBA teams. I think that we, we've we've got enough time and space to operate that. But um let's go ahead and move on to our next guy, Joel Embiid. Um we both have Joel Embiid as our first, our second team center. And I mean, really, Dylan, Joel Embiid had a first team all NBA season, but I'm not going to reward him with the first team when he played forward for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Again, the forward thing I think is stupid. Like he's obviously a center, but I mean, again, a great year from Embiid. And if it weren't for Jokic and some injuries, he might be the MVP despite Steph having uh, such a great year. I mean, you know, we talked about Ben Simmons last week and his importance on on the Sixers' success, especially on defense. But, I mean, Embiid is their best player by far. Like, he's he's the guy. He's the guy. And he has really figured out his game. And, and he's become a better shooter this year, too, which I think has helped open things up a little bit more. But, yeah, I mean, he's just been a beast. And I'm excited to see their team in general in the playoffs because – Despite being the one seed, it's just we haven't seen them make that leap that, that everyone thinks that they're capable of making. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much it how much it really falls on Embiid rather than everyone else. But, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting either way. Yeah, Embiid, <laughs> Embiid's at 28 points a game, 10.5 rebounds, 1.4 blocks, 2.8 assists. He's getting to the line almost 11 times a game. Honestly, Dylan, if he hadn't gotten hurt, I like, and we were picking MVPs, we we are not picking MVPs, but if I was, he'd probably be the MVP for me. Like, he's just been so ridiculous on both ends. Like, when we, we did a battleground halfway through the year, and we did the uh, awards picks, and I had him beat second in the MVP race. That was back when I thought Dame was the MVP. You remember that week when I unveiled Dame as my MVP take? Obviously, that aged poorly <laughs> because the team went on a massive uh, dry spell after that. But Embiid just—if he played seventy or sixty-five games, even—I think he'd be the runaway favorite for MVP just because of like Jokic is a better offensive player, but Embiid's not that far behind, and Embiid's better on defense. So, okay, here here's a question for you: If Joel did play sixty-five games. Would he be your first team center or would Jokic be your first team center? Man, that's tough. I feel like I still would have went Jokic. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Jokic, what he's done this year, especially after Murray has gone out, has been so impressive. Like, if, if you take Simmons off the Sixers team, would they have the same success that Denver had? You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. I, I think you're probably right, but it's just tough because they're, I would say they're about equivalent players at this point. Like whatever Jokic doesn't bring on defense, he adds to your offense. And then whatever 
Embiid doesn't what holes and I'm using quotation marks there because Embiid doesn't have holes on offense other than like maybe he's not as good of a passer as you want but I mean that like that little difference with him and Jokic and he makes up for it on the defensive end so I, I would say they're equivalent players at this point but I'd say Jokic we talked about it before Jokic just has a better a more conducive to winning games offensive style yeah, and and again, the fact that he's like the main offensive hub, I think, is a is a big difference too. It's like, you know, Murray is their point guard, but he's not really. You know, he's he's just an elite shooter that can create shots. Um, and it's just different for Embiid. He's he needs someone to get him the ball, and that's not to say he can't create his own shot, but he's better when he's being set up. And again, that's that's just the nature of the position. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but when you're talking like MVP conversation and stuff like that, I just feel like I'm personally going to always reward the guy that is the better shot creator. And this season, at least, that's been Jokic. Did you know that uh, Embiid didn't make All-NBA last year? I did not. That's weird. How many? I feel like he didn't. Hold on. Um. Let's see. 51 games last year, so maybe a little short of, like, people's cutoffs. But, that, okay, no, but there was a 70-game season. Yeah. That was majority of the season. I don't, I don't understand why he got left off. I did not feel like he was. So they had AD, Gobert, and uh, Jokic. AD was first team, Jokic second team, Gobert third team. I don't, I don't understand that, but that's just <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> I feel like Embiid... I mean, even like he is a lot better this year than he was last year. I would think we could both agree, but I, I, I just don't understand that. But um, in the interest of time, let's go ahead and move on to our third team. So who are your third team? You have Chris Paul as one of your third team guards. Who's your other guard? Um, So I just went with Booker, man. Mm. I just, again, I, I think that uh, he has just been fantastic this year. And as much as I love Chris Paul and Chris Paul has been huge in the development of Booker, Booker has just kind of like figured his game out um, in a different way. And it's funny because he hasn't even shot good from three. Like his, his three point shot has really not been much of a factor. He's, he's been really good inside the the arc and he's, he's just figured out kind of the, the balance of how he wants to handle the ball and, and score. And I just think he's been tremendous this year. And again, like this was tough because I'll go through it, but there's six other guards I considered for this spot. Like it's guard has just been a really, it was really, it was by far the toughest position to figure out. And so again, I understand why you put Luca forward because fitting another one of those guys in would have been nice, but yeah, it it's tough. And like the guys right behind Booker, very, very close. And if you ask me tomorrow, I might change it even <laughs> But I, I just felt the Suns had such a good year and, you know, a little bit of narrative, like the Suns and Booker had just been so depressing the past however many years. Like, it was just kind of nice to see them flip the switch like this. Um, so, yeah, I, I felt like the Suns deserved a little bit of extra recognition. So you brought up. So, OK, I, I had Booker as my other was one of my third team guards. So I'm glad we had that synergy. Booker last year. Okay, average 26 points a game. The Suns had the the 10th highest pace in the league. This year, he's at 25, and they're 26th in pace. Like, 
that means if he was playing on last year's pace, he'd be at like 30 points a game, right? Like if you want to do the math there and what he's, he's been, you know, their crunch time guy, like him and Chris Paul split the crunch time duties, but in the like last two minutes, it's okay. It's books time, right? They both are very capable of creating their own shots. I, he's a really crafty mid-range scorer. And I, I just love the way Booker plays. And I don't I think his defense has been okay this year. Like his defense hasn't been a problem at all. And I think that he's been a huge component to the uh Sun's success this year. And I think that him, having him and Chris Paul as your third team guards, it completely makes sense. I would guess that's gonna be the way a lot of people's ballots goes. I don't think a lot of people are gonna have Luca as a forward on their ballots, even though he probably plays more forward than guard, but I, I, that's semantics at that point. There shouldn't be positions. I think we both agree on the all NBA. So my uh, other, my other guard, I had Bradley Beal. I think Beal, just the way he can score, like is just ridiculous. He's so good (laughs) and he doesn't get enough recognition. Like, Oh, like obviously the team took off once Russ kind of took the reins more, but Beals didn't fall off. Russ may have taken the reins, but Beal didn't start sucking. <laughs> Beal averaged 31 points a game. He just is a ridiculous scorer. I mean, I wrestled with a lot of guards at this last spot too, but I think that Beal to me, like I, that was the main reason I moved Luca to forward, if I'm being honest with you, is I needed to get Bradley Beal an all-NBA team. Booker was actually the last guy I had, but it was a lot easier to justify having Bradley Beal on the, as a guard. <laughs> after moving Luke going forward. So I, I I have to assume Beal is one of your honorable mentions. Yeah, he was, I mean, it's amazing how he just continues to average more points every year. It's like, are we going to get 35 out of Beal next year? I don't know, but he just continues to ascend and like his, he, he has been tremendous this year and you know, the wizards moving up the, the standings at the end of the year, obviously Beal wasn't involved in all of it, but I mean, the we talked last week, but the the Wizards turnaround has just been so impressive, and obviously Beal has been a huge part in that. And uh, you know, I have a little bit of internal conflict here because they're playing the Pacers. It's like I, I want this Wizards team to be rewarded, but you know, uh, can't root against the Pacers. But uh, and that's why I was hoping they would knock off the Celtics last night. But I mean, either way, even if they fall out of the playoffs, I think they've. They, they can go home holding their heads high because they've, they've had a great year, especially after how it started. Yeah. And Beal's efficiency is just ridiculous. Like the three-point percentage, it's honestly kind of the same thing as Devin Booker. If you think about it, Booker and Beal are very similar players at this point. Like they're both like, oh, you know, these guys are knockdown shooters. The three-point percentage doesn't reflect that necessarily. But would you – okay, I don't know if you have you, – you don't have Beal's basketball reference page pulled up. Would you like to guess Beal's field goal percentage this year? Uh, let's say like 46, 48.5 on 23 attempts a game, his percentage point jumped up. His percentage from the field jumped up three percentage points. Basically last year was at 45.5. This year he's at 48.5 and Raul Neto is probably their best spot up shooter. <laughs> like think about how crazy it is. I know again, Russ deserves a lion's share of the credit for what they do. Right. But Beal deserves the other Lions share of that credit too. Like he's just ridiculous. He can get to his spots wherever he wants at this point, basically. He's so used to facing triple teams <laughs> that he just gets shots up over anybody. And when, if slash when 
somebody gets him out of Washington, he is going to help somebody win a championship because this is the kind of guy you need to help you win a championship. Denver telling you, man, I, I will chip in. I don't know what I have to offer the wizards. I will chip something <laughs> in to get him on this, on this nuggets team, man. Like, Again, if you have to cash in Michael Porter Jr. in like your next 10 years of draft picks, that's fine. But just imagine Jokic with Murray and Beal. It would be – I think I would watch Denver every single game. That would, it, would be, it would be basketball heaven. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that much. It would be, it would be ridiculously fun. So I, I don't blame you for that at all. That would be a, would be a fun destination for Beal. Um, I think it's time for us to move on to our third team forwards. So, okay, who are your third team forwards? Because you might have had – no, this is probably where we differ. So, who's, who are your third team forwards? So, I went with Paul George and Zion. Mm. Um, again, I, as you mentioned earlier, I just think Paul George has had a really good year and been a little bit overlooked um, as far as – it's just odd. I don't know. The, the Clippers talk has just been so muted. It's just weird to me. It's like they're not even, you know, we talk, we've talked about pretty much every other team in the West except the Clippers, it feels like. So, um, and, you know, I think some of that was from last year's disappointment, maybe some doubt lingering in there. But, I mean, I think, I think they're setting up well right now. Um, and they still have two of the best wing defenders in the league and two guys that are also really good on offense. So, again, I think the Clippers are being a little bit overlooked. And Paul George, huge part in that. And Zion, again, like, as much as I hate giving a guy that's been on a terrible team a spot, Zion has just earned it. I, it doesn't matter what his team has been. I mean, listen to these stats, okay? 27 points a game, 7 rebounds, 3.7 assists, 0.9 steals, 0.6 blocks on 61% from the field. I mean, he's just been insane. And, you know, he played 61 games, like – I think everyone kind of worried coming out of college that he'd have injury problems. And like, yeah, he had injury problems his first season and this year. And yes, he ended up getting hurt this year too, but he still played almost the entire season. And if, if he was healthy, I think the, the Pelicans would have ended up making the play in because they lost four in a row and San Antonio lost four in a row. And if you had Zion out there, I think they would have caught up to San Antonio. So, you know, it's uh, it's tough at ended that way, but Pelicans are going to get a good draft pick, man. And uh, the fewer Eric Bledsoe minutes we get, the better the Pelicans are going to be. Man. So I had Zion on as well. Um, I had Zion as my other 13 forward. My, As you know, Julius Randle was one of my 13 forwards. So I, you know, I had to have Julius Randle on, right? Like, like we talked about earlier, I thought he's been great. And then Zion, I had Tatum in the spot until I realized, I looked at the stats. They basically had the same year <laughs> in stat-wise, like just like counting stats. Like I'm Tatum is averaging like 26, 7, and 4, too. But the difference is Zion is at 61% from the field. <laughs> and that to me, like I know, again, you're right, they're a shitty team, but you can't deny it. And they played basically the same amount of games. Tatum's at 64, um, Zion's at 61. So it, it was really a wash, right? And the wash, I, I just went with Zion. You know, I went with what my eyes have been telling me. Tatum is Tatum and PG were my two toughest cuts, I'd say. I was, so for my last guard spot, I was debating between Booker and Paul George. And I was like, okay, I really, ugh, I want to have 
Paul George on so bad, but I just couldn't find a place to fit him. Right. Like I could have had him at guard. I really debated having him at guard, but I like, I just couldn't pull the trigger. I don't know why he's been great this year. I actually, I, I went through the trouble at the end. I'll give you my all NBA fourth team. Cause I went through the trouble of making all NBA fourth team because it, I feel like we have that much talent this year, but he made my all NBA fourth team. And I, I just, I, I love the way he's been playing. It killed me to not have him on the team. Dylan Hughes, it killed me. Yeah. I mean, again, great year. And, and Tatum was my next guy too. Um, and he was actually the only other forward I considered. I, I was going through the teams. I'm like, you know, again, with LeBron and KD out, it's just a thin field this year. And it's, it's just tough. Um, so Tatum was in consideration for me as well. And, you know, back to Zion real quick. So, as you mentioned, you know, basketball reference, you get the the, 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 or the record when they were out there. And the Pelicans were three games under one uh, under 500 with him out there, which, again, with, with all the spacing issues, I think is, is pretty impressive out West. Um, and they're still a pretty young team. They finished 10 games under 500. So, that means I think they would have been – four and seven without him. Um, so, I mean, again, it's a small sample size, but, you know, they were a lot better with him on the floor uh, than they weren't. And I think we're going to see a massive jump with them next year. But, yeah, uh, Tatum, and it's it's kind of funny that we're doing this after Tatum drops 50 points. Uh, right. It's it, it's tough not to bake, to bake in the, the recency bias, but, you know, it's it's a full season thing. And, you know, obviously the COVID excuse – is uh is viable but it's just it's hard to pass up the guys that we had on the list and like tatum had the COVID excuse but he wasn't bad he was still great it just didn't feel more standout than like last year and it's crazy that i'm saying that because i i tatum to me he was so good this year the problem was brown was just as good and i think you know once brown went out they really went in a tailspin and that kind of was a problem to me. I know Tatum, you know, it's hard to keep a team afloat, especially that one with like practically no depth where Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard are your like fifth and sixth best players. But I think that it was like a really close call. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. That's ba- that's basically what it came down to. I just said, fuck it. And I put Zion on the team. So um, I think any, any other thoughts on on any forwards before we move on to the uh, our last player in the center? Um, well, I'm I'm realizing how bad I am at math. The Pelicans two and nine without Zion, not not four and seven. Two and nine, like that's pretty telling. You went Even to school. More, you you went to school for journalism, not mathematics. I haven't taken a math class since I was a senior in high school. That's my all. Point is, my <laughs> point exactly. So. <laughs> We're we're good at we're good at discerning statistics, but that's just about it. Um, so okay, so I think that leaves our center. Who is your third team All NBA center? So I had to go go bear. I wanted to do Bam so bad, but I realized I had no Jazz representation. That just didn't feel right. Um, it's you know, I have my reasoning for not putting the Jazz and as with I'll I'll get into that with the honorable mentions, but it, again. As we talked last week, Gobert, best defender on the best defensive team. It's just – it's tough to pass that up. And, like, stats-wise, I still think Bam 
is more impressive. Um, but it's just the Jazz have been so good this year. I can't leave them off. Yeah, I had Gobert as my last center as well. Again, I wanted to put Bam on there. I even thought about putting Capella on there. But, like, just how good he's been. I, I actually thought about putting Towns on there. I considered a lot of guys. But <laughs> Gobert, to me, just was undeniable. I mean, 71 games, you know, and they finished with the best record in the league. And he just was the constant under the rim, you know, deterring guys. And like we said, he has postseason problems, but regular season, this is a regular season award. This isn't, you know, the all NBA playoff team is the all NBA regular season team. So he was one of the, you know, I hate to say it. He was one of the three best centers this year. So, I mean, as much as we like Bam and as much as we like Capella, he was better than both those guys in the regular season. In the playoffs, it might be a difference. Capella's a destroyer in the playoffs. So, and then obviously Bam is Bam. I think Bam's a better overall player, but I think in the regular season, if I want to win 50 games, I'm going with the Gobert over Bam. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because I'm thinking if you put Bam on this Jazz team, they might get better because he's a good passer and they have such good shooting. I mean, just imagine the ball movement if Gobert isn't, like, the pick-and-roll guy. Like, if they have just slinging out to the perimeter all the time. I, I, I don't know if they would be better in the regular season, but it would be fun as hell. And if you put Bam on this team in the playoffs, like, would they be a Western Conference Finals lock? Maybe. I, I don't know. The problem is, is that Gobert – I heard someone say this on a podcast, and it's honestly the perfect way to put it. Like, he lifts this team. Like, who's the best defender that's not Gobert? It's Royce O'Neal, right? Yeah. Like, you would throw Royce O'Neal on a lot of teams, he'd be impactful. But, like, Boyan Bogdanovich, is Joe Ingles a good defender if he's not playing, you know, with Rudy Gobert behind him? You know, doesn't have that confidence to get in the guy's jersey. You know, is is Donovan Mitchell a good defender? I don't – I you can make a case he's not. He lifts these guys out of mediocrity <laughs> and turns them into, you know – good defenders. And I think that, you know, I think the offense with Bam would be out of this world. I can't deny that because they have a ton of offensive talent, but I think the defense would get worse. I I don't know. It's tough because I would like, I would love to see an O'Neal Ingles, (laughs) Bam Conley and Mitchell lineup. I would love to see that just purely speaking, but it's a wash for me. I'll say it's a wash. I could see it really going either way. Yeah. And like, you know, the defense probably would get worse, but again, Bam is still an awesome defensive center. And I don't know, the confidence may still be there from those perimeter guys, but I think the uptick in offense you would get. And and this is from a team that is like one of the best three point shooting teams ever. I think they have seven guys that have made over a hundred threes. Like that is insane. They, they're like, I think it was just them in the 2018 Rockets or seven, 2017 Rockets, whatever team that was that like, that's, that's insane. Seven guys to hit over a hundred. I mean, and George Niang, one of those guys, by the way, a little bit shocking to me. Like he's, he's good. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't think he was a a hundred three point make type of guy, but yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I'd bay him into that rotation. I mean, could we get seven guys with 200 makes? I don't know. I, I don't. I think that's a little unrealistic, Dylan. <laughs> I think that's a little unrealistic. But, I mean, you could probably get, you know, six guys with 150. I mean, so, okay, just running down the list. Clarkson with 208. 
Ingles with 183. Ingles, 45% from three. Ridiculous. Um, Bogdanovich with 180. Mitchell with 178 and 53 games. So Mitchell probably would have broken the 200 barrier if he played off like six, 10 more games. Um, Mike Conley with 138 and he played 50 games. So he probably would have broken 150. Niang played all 72, but Niang's like a, I don't know how Niang got to 100. I really don't <laughs> because he doesn't play that much. Yeah, that, that's why it surprised me. Like he's, so okay. So he played 72 games and played 1,154 minutes. Conley played 51 games and played 1,498. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how. And then Royce O'Neal made 107. And that feels shocking because he was gunning him at the beginning of the year. But I think Bam would lift this team a level offensively. I, I can't deny that. I, I just don't think... It, again, it would be a wash. I would be interested to see it more in the playoffs than the regular season. I think they would finish as like the six seed that's really dangerous, right? Like the six seed that nobody wants to see. So um, in the interest of time, do you want me to give my all NBA fourth team or do you want to give your honorable mentions? Let's hear the fourth team. Okay. So for my guards, I had Trey and Mitchell with Levine as a hard snub, hard snub. And then I had Tatum, PG and Bam. I mean, pretty much all the honorable mentions I had. Um, any other honorable mentions you want to name? Uh, yeah, so I put Donovan Mitchell in there. Um, I actually, like, if Mitchell didn't get hurt, I may have actually put him in over Booker. I don't think the stats were that different. And, like, I think they're pretty similar um, as far as production-wise. I think um, they were pretty close. And, and Mitchell was a much better shooter, uh, which – may have pushed me over the edge with that. Um, as we already mentioned, Beal. And I put Westbrook, too, because, you know, the the Wizards' run of late has basically been Westbrook-led. Because, as I mentioned, Beal has missed some time. So this this little push they had up into the eighth seed, like, that was that was Westbrook doing it. And, you know, the uh, average another triple-double, which, you know, I don't care about. Like, it's pretty much normal for him to do that at this point. But still, I mean, he's been tremendous this year. Um, and that shows it. I put Jalen Brown as well. Just by far the best year of his career, uh, best year of his young career. And again, injury hurts, but he's he's blossoming into a really good offensive player. <laughs> and I'm excited to see where he goes over the next couple of years. Uh, Simmons was on the on there. I mean, just not the same offensive players the rest of these guys. So he's you know. We had him on our on our uh, half season teams, mid season teams, but just again, really great defender. But just really, he's scoring like less than half than some of these guys. You know, it's just that that offensive presence isn't quite the same. Uh, Levine again, tremendous year, just incredibly, incredibly efficient. And if you gave him Vucevic to start the year, I think they probably would have made the play in maybe even easily. I mean, they, when they got healthy at the end of the year, they were really good. Like they went on like a four game win streak and they weren't really playing bad teams either. So I'm excited to see where they go next year. Um, and then Bam mentioned, as I mentioned, and Capella uh, was in contention as well. I didn't think about Trey young, but I probably would throw him as an honorable mention as well. Trey to me was, he was my third guard cut or he was my second guard cut after PG. Like it was so tough because Trey 
the, my only problem with Trey Young is just the same thing. It's always been the problem. His defense is so bad, so bad. I don't think Bogdanovich is a terrible defender. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's terrible. Danilo probably isn't what you want. They're missing Cam Reddish for the whole year, and they're missing DeAndre Hunter for half the year. But the de- the defense is just a demerit for me, so I, I took him off. But I'm not going to be mad. I actually will be mad at people who have him on the third team. It's like, yeah, he was a, he was he's great offensively. But just the defense is so bad. It's it's honestly a demerit. So um, I I don't know if you listed Drew Holiday in there. I had him on my honorable mentions, <laughs> and then that was basically the forwards were pretty. <laughs> you listed all my other honorable mentions like guard, but forward there was like none other than the fourth team. So <laughs> and then I listed Towns as an honorable mention. Sneaky played a good amount of games. I don't actually know if he qualified. I'll have to I'll look that up real quick. But I mean, when Finch was there, if he had Finch for the whole year, so yeah, Towns played fifty games. If Finch was there for the whole year, he probably would have been at like twenty six and twelve, or in like six assists. So I thought he was great after Finch got there, and that was basically half the season. But I, I didn't think he was good enough before Finch got there. <laughs> to justify having him on the team. So um, I think that's it. It's time for shameless plugs. So Dylan Hughes, you guys, um, I'll do from one young soul to another in a second, but you guys are going to have, we're recording this on Wednesday. This is going to be out on Thursday. Dylan Hughes, you are going to have a divine rhyme that is coming out in mere minutes. How, How are we feeling about the divine rhyme this week? Oh, it was great, man. Like me and Will both finished it and like had such great energy. And I feel like it may have been our best episode. Um, and it's, I think I felt that way. Cause I was a little bit nervous beforehand. I was like, I, I feel like this will be a short episode. I, I just didn't think the content was really the same, but as me and Will started talking about it, it started bringing things out. Uh, so it was, it was a really fun uh, episode. And I think, uh, I think, I mean, fun is the way I would describe it, man. Like it was fun. So I think people enjoy it. Yeah. I, the way you and Will described it to me individually, <laughs> It made me very excited for the episode. So I can't wait to listen to it again. It'll be out on Wednesday. If you're listening to this on Thursday, um, make sure you check that out from one young soul to another. All right. I'm, I'm sick of this shit, man. I'm, I'm just sick of it. You know, it's not that hard. It costs seven fifty for a paperback, $5 for the Kindle edition. And if you don't, if you don't buy this book, I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to, I'm going to bring in like a bag of bag of dirt, right? I'm going to go wipe that bag of dirt. I'm going to like smudge dirt all over your plates, all over them. I'm going to go into your cabinets. I'm going to smudge dirt all over the plates. You're not going to be able to eat. I mean, if you, if you have a lot of plates, you know, how long is it going to take you to wash all that? It's going to be disgusting. I mean, Dylan, how, how does that one compare? As someone that hates doing dishes, man, that one is really telling. I mean, I'm just imagining scrubbing dishes and like, you know, so you're going to get angry and you're going to scrub one and get enough to eat. And then as soon as you're done eating, you're going to have to go back and do the rest. It, it's just, it's, it's going to be really troubling. And all you had to do was spend the money, man. Not that much. Not that much. $7.50. For, for peace of mind and clean plates. You know, it's not, it's not that hard. So make sure you buy the book. Um, and then facts and stats. I haven't finished listening to that from uh, JD, but it's really good from what I've heard so far. The episode with you. So make sure you check that out. Um, oh, also for the divine rhyme, Dylan, I, I don't know if, if you mind me announcing this for you guys, but I think it's safe to say we're moving forward. Um, you guys are moving forward with Sturgill Simpson. 
for next month. I gave Will, I mean, not that I needed to give him a green light, but I gave him the green light for that. So uh, that'll that'll be exciting for you guys. So I'm glad, you know, I'm glad, glad I could break the news to you. But <laughs> I, I got on a call with Will last night. So, and we confirmed that. Um, Battleground, I don't know if Battleground's going to be back, but that'll be fine. Circle City Cinema, they're recording tonight as well. So you'll have a double header with us in Circle City Cinema tomorrow. They're going to be doing Fast Five with uh, Bryce and Devin, I believe. So make sure you check that out. And then next week, Boys in the Hood with JD and his brother Jamal. So that'll be fun. Um, Lynn Sanity, they did a podcast earlier this week with Zach and Caleb. That was Electric, a play-in preview. Um, there's still time to check it out if you haven't listened to it yet. Or I guess by the time you uh, listen to this, both play-in games will be done. So never mind. But don't worry, because Thursday morning, we're going to be having a recording with Devin Voss and Will Hogsett. Per- going over the first four playing games. So that'll be a blast. Um, what else do I have to plug? Um, triple option pass. I don't know when they're going to be back next. So this Friday, um, Caleb and I are going to be hopping on a zoom and we're going to go live on YouTube and we're going to, we're going to uh, draft the playoff series that we're going to cover in each conference. And I'm going to make sure Dylan that you, uh, you get the Clippers Maverick series because I know that's close to your heart. <laughs> I know, I know you want to see that more than anything. So um, that'll be, that'll determine what we're doing on the power hour for the next couple of weeks. We're going to be going once a week and then Linsanity will be going twice a week. So make sure you check that out. Um, and then have I covered everything? Yes, I believe I've covered everything. So Dylan Hughes, um, you're going to go get your second vaccine shot. I, I would say have fun, but getting pricked with a needle isn't exactly fun. So uh, have, have a good rest of your day, buddy. And I, I'm glad I was able to help you not do this under duress. <laughs> You know, I've been getting used to the needles lately because of my, like my whole, uh, surgery, man, I've had a lot of different needles in and out of my arms. I'm starting to feel like a drug addict or something like I've just in and out, man. Like I got pricked two days ago, twice to get blood. It's like, it's, I'm just getting used to it at this point. Um, but yeah, the, the next 24 hours, not necessarily looking forward to it, but, uh, I appreciate the well wishes either way. You'll all that matters is you're recovered for Friday. For the uh, that's another thing too. We're gonna be putting out content for our Running Hook YouTube page on Friday with our uh, we're we're doing a little get together, Running Hook get together. We're gonna be playing basketball. We're gonna be putting out some content. So, I mean, Dylan, they're not they're not gonna want to miss that, are they? No, I mean, me and you coaching. This is our first time to really put our basketball knowledge to the test from a coaching standpoint, and and really see uh, if we can get the best out of these guys. So it's gonna be fun. <laughs> It's going to be a blast. This, Dylan, this episode was really a blast. Thank, I just want to thank you so much for joining me. I just want to thank you so much for having me. <laughs>